Um, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 14. So if you've got your Bibles, if you don't, you can look on the screen here. Matthew 14, we're going to start in verse 28. And uh, I just want to, there's so much that's been on my heart lately. And um, I just want to kind of share with you what I believe that God's saying to us right now. And, and how we can begin to continue to walk forward uh, with, with all that the Lord has entrusted us with as a people. How many of you believe uh, at one time or another in your life that God's given you either a word or a message or a promise? Anybody here? And it's great what she said because it kind of ties in with what I'm preaching today. And so I want to kind of speak to that today because I believe that God wants to shatter our boxes. Everyone's like, oh, here we go. Great. Wonderful. I believe that God wants to shatter our boxes, which means this. I believe that God wants to change what we're comfortable with in order to get us to a place where he can actually fulfill the word of God for us, his word for us. I believe that promises are going to be fulfilled when we learn to stop keeping God in the same box that we exist in. Are you with me? Now, if I ask you how many of you are in boxes, probably only 10% of you raise your hand. The truth of the matter is we all live in a box. Might look different from our neighbors, but we all live in a box because it's human nature. It's human nature for us to exist in a box because we want to know what's safe. We want to know where our boundaries are. We want to know up from down. We want to left from right. It orients us in our life. It's not a bad thing that you live in a box. But where we get in trouble and where we're stunted in our ability to reach for all that God has for us is when we keep God in the box with us. And we don't realize that God does not live in your box. But I've been decorating my box for 35 years. It used to have wallpaper in it from the 80s. Since then, I've painted it, probably gray, because that's, that's the in color now, it's the grays. It's beautiful. The furniture is wonderful. I remodel it every now and then. My box is beautiful. How dare you tell me that God doesn't want to come and hang out with me in my box? But I've been building this for years. God is not concerned with what you have contained in your box and how you have contained what you believe he can do and how he can do it. I actually believe that throughout the word of God, Jesus took what was people's comfort zone and took their box and time after time after time blew it up. Well, maybe you'll believe me after I read a couple of these stories. Anybody hear me today? Matthew 14, 28 says, Peter said to him, Lord, if you command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Most of you know this. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand, took a hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Now, I love this story for so many reasons, but I want to point out a couple things. I've oftentimes heard this preached in the context of faith, in the context of a lot of different things. But I want to kind of expand maybe the way you think about this for a moment. Because at this time, Peter had never seen Jesus perform a miracle of seeing somebody walk on the water. In other words, this was brand new to Peter. What Jesus was asking him to do was completely brand new. It was a new experience. It was a new way of God manifesting his power on the earth. And he had no theological context in order for him to step out and actually believe what Jesus said. Because I hear people are like, you know, Peter, he doubted God. Well, if Jesus was here today and he told you to step out in the water, you'd be doubting too. 
And here's the crazy thing. You doubt and you actually have an example where he did it. Peter had no example. See, if Peter contained Jesus's ability in a box, if he put Jesus's ability in a box based on what he had known that his savior or his Messiah or his, his spiritual mentor or leader had done in the past, he would have never stepped out of the boat. See, this is the problem sometimes when we get storied in our faith, where we have a history of faith, because we contain Jesus in the box of what we've seen him do in the past. And when Jesus wants us to step out on the water and do something that he's never done before or manifest his, his love for us or his miraculous power in a different way, we oftentimes shut him down because we say, that's not my Jesus. You know how many times I've heard that from people? That's not my Jesus. That's not the way my Jesus is. That doesn't what, that's not what it says in, 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 in my Bible. Well, do you possibly think that Jesus, in his love and in his power today, wants to reach and to manifest his love and his power in ways that he's never done before? Do you think that every way that Jesus was ever going to reach somebody was just recorded in the Bible and that beyond that nothing can exist? Because the Bible says in the book of Acts are continuing today. And there's something that happens when faith and works become one. There's a quote from William Booth that I love. It says this. It says, uh, if I can find it. Hello, William Booth. Where are you? Um, he says, faith and works should travel side by side, step answering to step like legs of men walking. First faith, then works, then faith again, then works again, until they can scarcely distinguish which one, which is the one and which is the other. In other words, if your faith is true faith, and you believe that what God says is true, then, you, then it requires you to, to almost immediately act as a result of your faith. In other words, faith and works or action behind that faith are almost synonymous, which means if I believe it, I'm going to take a step forward and do it. So you understand what I'm saying here? So faith, if you, the Bible says faith without works is dead, which means you can believe it all you want, but if you don't take a step out of the boat, you don't really believe he's the God that actually walks on water. <laughs> Let me just paint this for you in a little bit of a different picture. If I came to you and I said, I deposited $500 in your Bank of America bank account. I heard you needed to pay a bill. So... You said that the bill was $450. I deposited $500. You said you had no money. So I went ahead and deposited $500 in your bank account. If you had faith, you would A, either go pay that bill or you'd go to the ATM and pull that cash out, if you believe me. Because if you believe that I put that money there, you'd actually take an action to, to capitalize on my word that I did something or I prepared something for you. And I, and I think the time is coming in the earth where sitting around waiting for God to jump through our hula hoops and our, over our speed bumps of his words and saying, well, Lord, I know you said this, but if you do this or you do this, then I'll take a step of faith. See, with Peter, all he said was come. Peter didn't have a chance to say, yeah, but if I step out, are you going to catch me? If I step out, am I going to walk on the water? What do you have prepared here, Lord? Are you going to do like you did in the Old Testament and peel the water away and I'm just going to walk on the dry land? I don't know what... He didn't have time for the questions. Jesus just simply said, come. He gave him a directive. He said, I need you to be obedient. And I need you to take a step out. And I need you to, to really put your faith with what you do or how you act. And I really believe this is the word of the Lord for us right now. We have so many promises in this house 
And the time is now to act. The time is now for you to take a step and say, well, I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. I don't know exactly what the Lord's saying. Well, join the club. Faith is always taking you a step beyond your understanding. Faith always takes you into the unknown. Faith always takes you to a place where you're going, I have no idea what's going to happen next. We've, we've been going on some journeys, and we have been. And How many of you know that your faith is a journey? It's a process. And I love this because um, I, David Wagner said this when I was away, and I told him I wasn't going to give him credit, but now I, I feel bad. I'm going to. He said, he said, the fruit of his faithfulness is greater than the pain of my process. He said, the fruit of his faithfulness is greater than the pain of my process. And I thought, you know, there is pain in the process of the journey of our lives in faith. You experience disappointment. You experience things that don't work out the way you expected them to. You experience times where you take a step of faith and it doesn't work out or wasn't the Lord's timing or whatever else. There's pain. There is sometimes feelings of rejection. There's all these things that we experience in the process of walking out who God's created us to be. But the fruit of his faithfulness, in other words, what God brings and delivers through his faithfulness to creation is greater than any pain we'll ever experience in the process. And because of that, we are not timid, but we take a step of faith knowing that what God says he will do, he will do. Are you with me today? Matthew 15. Let's move on to another great story. Verse 22. Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. His disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. I want to see you see what happened here. The, the disciples, hang with me here. The disciples have a very clear idea of who they think Jesus should minister to. And then Jesus himself even says, well, I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. They both have their kind of boxes they're creating for a moment. Now, Jesus has a little bit of a different motive. They're kind of creating these boxes around Jesus. And this woman, the Canaanite woman, is not going to take their answers, their boxes, their, this is who we've come for. And the disciples are like, let's just get rid of her. And Jesus says, I've, I've come to, to, to save, you know, the lost sheep of Israel. And that's my mission here. She's not going to just take that and go away. Verse 25, but she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, yes, Lord, but even the dog's feet and the crumbs which fall on their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Uh, this is a story that you and I need to grab a hold of. Because I have, seen, I have seen believers take the Peter step. They take that step of faith and say, okay, I've got it. Okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I don't figure it out. But when they start to sink and when things don't work out well, or they feel like they've gotten a no from God, when they feel like the Lord said no, then we sit down and we say, in our false humility, mind you, we sit down and we say, okay, Lord, I just trust you. He said no. I guess, what am I going to do? Right, girls? God said no. Well, that's fine, but you can bury your daughter tomorrow. 
You can bury your daughter tomorrow and take the disciples' answer and Jesus' answer and go, okay. In other words, you cannot risk anything. Don't put your neck on the line. Don't do anything too extreme. Just take what he says and just sit down and just say, okay, I accept it. And I want to tell you this. I want to, I want to tell you this with all love. Some of us in this room right now are wallowing in the disappointment of when things didn't work out when we thought they would and how we thought they would. And so we collapse and we shut down. And here's the crazy thing. The next morning, we've buried our dreams. We've buried our promises. We've buried our words. We've buried all of these things because the initial response that we feel like we've got from heaven was not what we expected. And so we just sat on it, and that was the end of it. And we move on in our life wondering what a cruel God he is for giving us a promise and not seeing it come to pass. And the reality is he's looking for people that are so wild in their faith. She took a risk even offending Jesus himself. She actually said to the Lord, hold on a second. He says, well, he says to her, he goes, he, he says, it's not good to make the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, yeah, Lord. Well, listen, even the dogs eat the crumbs from their master's table. In other words, listen, you said children, you said healing is the children's bread. You said that you've come and that you have healing in your hands. You said that you're here. I am not leaving here until my daughter is healed. And I feel like that's the attitude that we need to have over the promises of God for our life. When we come to Jesus and we say, this is what you've promised us, we need to grab a hold of it and not let go. We need to be willing to risk our own, our own, uh, uh, what people think about us, our own reputation. We need to be able to risk what, what uh, the opinions of, we need to be so radical in our faith that we step out and refuse to stop until the promise of God is fulfilled. You know, sometimes the only thing separating you from somebody else who's done great things for God and seen amazing things happen and the destiny of God fulfilled in a life, sometimes the only difference is they're more stubborn than you are. Listen, the, the most, some of the people that have had the greatest impact on the nations around the world are the most stubborn people. I've worked for some of them. They're stubborn. And that stubbornness, that willingness to not give up drives them that when God gives them a word, I remember Heidi for years was talking about, we're going to build a hospital. We're going to build a hospital. We're going to build a clinic. We're going to build a clinic. We're going to build a hospital. We're going to have doctors here. We're going to have the best care in all the area there in Mozambique. We're going to build a hospital. We're going to build a... Listen, they, they, they could barely feed their children on a regular basis. You're talking about building a clinic. and Well, I'll tell you, today there's a hospital there. I remember when we, when we were looking at the, the property on MLK years ago, my mom, dad, and my sister go by there and they'd say, we, we wanna own, we're going to own this land. We're going to own this land. We're going to own this land. Well, when they got into trying to figure out how to purchase it to be able to use it for, the, for seeing families and unaccompanied um, uh, youth and all sorts of people touch there that's getting ready to open up here soon, when they were looking at that, when they actually dove into how are we going to purchase this, the estate issues with the property were so extreme and insane, it would have taken a massive team of experienced real estate attorneys to sort out the thing. So they didn't even know, like, they didn't even know really who to offer the money to, to buy it, let alone try to figure out the issues with the estate. Yeah, and the first foundation that they asked to actually buy it said no. Well, we can sit down in our seats and say the Lord has spoken, and I just trust him. Because it sounds really spiritual. 
I can, I can take the dreams that God's given me and the promises he's given me and I'm willing to let him go. And everyone's like, wow, he's so spiritual. I bet he talks in his sleep, but only in tongues. Or you can say, well, that foundation denied me. But there's more foundations out there. What ended up happening is the most successful builder in all of Sarasota, just about, Lee Weatherington, who happened to have a team of attorneys that specialized in real estate law, contacted us and said, I want to be a part of the project. Oh, by the way, I'll get my attorneys on that. You guys don't have to do a thing. So here's the thing. You can put God in a box and say, well, we don't have the money to hire a team of attorneys to figure this out, let alone come up with the money to put down on it. And you can say, that must be a sign from God that if he doesn't give us the money to do it, he doesn't want us to do it. Or you can say, I'm not going to keep God in my little box. And I'm going to say, Lord, I know you want us to do it. I don't know how you're going to do it. If you want to bring some man here that happens to have a bunch of attorneys that are all specialize in this and he's got on a retainer to do this for us, you can do it. And here's the thing. This is what I want to encourage you with. If you can learn to take the promises of God and not keep them in your little box and say, Jesus, I'll do this any way you want to. I'll listen to you. I'll step out of my comfort zone. I'll follow you anywhere you want me to. Happened to Abraham in Genesis. You can put that on the screen. It says, leave your country, your people, your father's household. Go to the land I will show you. I love this because this is like, this is hardcore, like, you want to be tested? Let the Lord say to you, leave your people, leave your land, leave your country. And then he says, oh, by the way, I'm not telling you where you're going. Come on. People are like, the Lord told me to give an extra $10 this week. He's really, really trying my faith. You want to talk about trying your faith? Hey, hey, I want you to leave your family, leave your home, leave your land. Oh, by the way, I'm going to send you somewhere, but I'm not going to tell you where. Not yet. But the Lord promises him, I'll make you a father of many nations. The Lord promises him, you're going to be the most blessed man in the earth. The Lord promises him these things, but he's asking him to say yes without any of the details. And that's a word of the Lord for some of us here today. The Lord's asking you to say yes, and you haven't gotten enough details, so you've reserved your yes, but the Lord's looking for you to say yes, even without all the details filled in, because he wants to see if you really trust him. If you really, really, really trust him. You ever seen Shark Tank? Sometimes they do that. You ever see that? They'll, they'll like, someone will propose an idea, and every once in a while, like someone like Damon or someone like that, they'll, they'll have a just quick response, and they'll say, I love the idea. I'll give you $30,000 for 10% right now, but you have to say yes now. And so often, thank you, it's a deal. So often, they hesitate, and they say, yeah, but hold on a second. We, I want to know what you're going to bring to the table, and I want to do this, and I want to know that. And I've seen so many of those guys lose the deals because they wanted to know the details when the person's saying, listen, if you really believe I'm the right investor and you believe my word, you're going to shake my hand. And God's saying that to you and I. He's saying, if you really believe what I said is true, you're not going to worry about the details. You're going to take a step of faith out of the boat. Shake my hand. Now, here's the crazy thing. 
when we started this process of, of um, like, Lord, we, we know we're supposed to move over to 17th and Beneva, and we were like, I don't know how, you know? Not to freak you out, but sometimes at the end of the month, there's enough money to maybe go out to eat with. That's about it. We pay the bills. Everyone gets paid. The light bill gets paid. We do what we promise to do in outreach and even more. But there's not a bunch sitting around. So we're like, yeah, how are we going to get to $4 million? And then we said, well, we're going to sell this property. That's the beginning of it. So then we... That's, that's all right. Then we said, I just don't know what that... Was that a shofar? Is that prophetic? Was that a shofar? It was like... Something like that. Is that my timer? Am I done? <laughs> so so we, we put this property up for sale. It's been on the market for over a year, maybe a year and a half, something like that. And we've gotten interest, but we haven't necessarily gotten what we expected as far as a full contract for everything. So we've been negotiating and talking to people, and it just hasn't happened the way we expected it to happen. We thought, we'll put it on the market, it'll sell, we'll use that, we'll get some other people involved, we'll raise some money, and we'll, we'll do it. But it hasn't happened that way. We could have taken that as a sign from God, we're not going to move there. We could have taken that like, Lord, we put this thing on the market, and we said, if it sells, we know it's you, we're supposed to move over there. And then it doesn't sell. And then we're like, okay, we'll just stay here. Meanwhile, very few of the folks in those, that neighborhood, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of households in that neighborhood there are being reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Meanwhile, people are living in not knowing the hope of Jesus in that neighborhood. And we have an opportunity to reach them. And we're going to sit here and go, well, I guess it's the Lord's will. You're going to tell me it's the Lord's will for us not to reach a community? You're going to tell me it's the Lord's will for not to expand our potential to impact our city? And so we sit down and we go, well, it must be a sign we haven't sold it yet. So, I'm, oh, well. And then I'm like, I have a crazy idea. Let's go ask those people over here who have the same heart as us, who are Christian Family Foundation, if they would just, you know, like change their entire charter and how they do business and... <laughs> you know, basically give money towards something they've never given, but they've never done a brick-and-mortar thing before. Oh, by the way, I think the most they've given was like maybe 50000 or 100000 to a local nonprofit. Let's ask them for 15 or 20 times that. But if you would have taken what we thought was a no, we would have never seen the promise of God fulfilled because God's looking for tenacious, wild, risky faith. And folks, the only way you're going to be tenacious and wild and risky with your faith is if you allow God to shatter the box of what you think he's able to do through you and with you. Are you with me? And I'm going to, I'm going to give you this story here. When there was a missionary, his name was Hudson Taylor to China, and he was on his way there, and he was, he was near... Um, the, I think it's the Malay Peninsula near the island of Sumatra. And he was in his stateroom and the captain knocks on his door and they're journeying, trying to get to China to reach folks with the gospel there. And he hears a knock on his door and the captain opens the door up and the captain says, hey, we've got a problem. There's no wind and the currents in the boat, they're taking us to an island where there's known heathens and cannibalism there. There are cannibals and they're waiting for us. 
You know what the worst thing on earth is? A skinny cannibal. A hungry cannibal is not good. And so there were a bunch of hungry cannibals, skinny. Look, they're not like, oh, I just had a great meal. Never mind. You don't look that meaty anyways. And so they're drifting towards this, this, this island. And the captain says, listen, if we don't, something doesn't happen. So Hudson Taylor says to him, well, listen, this is what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray. I'm going to stay down here. You, captain, go set your sails. And the captain said, I'm not going to go set my sails because there's no wind and my sailors are going to think that I've lost my mind. I'm not going to set the sails when there's no wind. That's insane. So you pray and you believe God for the wind and if the wind comes, I'll set the sails. And Hudson Taylor says, go set your sails. So the captain says, whatever. He's desperate. They're getting closer to the island. He goes up. He sets the sails. He comes back downstairs within minutes, knocks on the door. Hudson Taylor says, I'm praying. And he says, well, you can stop praying because we have more wind than we know what to do with. Now, he was one of the first missionaries to reach um, China. And they have seen over 100 million people saved in that nation. And it started partially because a man decided that he would take a step of faith prior to actually seeing the provision of God beyond what his, in the natural he felt or saw. He actually took a step out of the boat, a boat beyond his understanding. And I feel it's today the Lord's saying to some of us here today to set your sails. Set your sails. But I don't, there's no wind. I'll look silly. Set your sails. I don't want to embarrass myself. God's not asking me to embarrass myself. No, he's asking you if you're willing to step out in the, in the waters of risk, in the waters of crazy, wild faith. He's asking you, will you step out when you don't know all the details or you don't know how it's going to happen? And I want to encourage you today with this. It is time as the church of Jesus Christ that we step out beyond our understanding and stop containing God in a box. It's time that we realize that the promise of God over us and over us as a church and over each and every one of you is true. And it's time to put action and behind our faith and to look God in the eyes and say, I know you love me enough and I trust you enough that I'll do exactly what I believe that you said you're going to do. It's time to do that, church. It's time to go beyond our little cute, like, oh, I'll just stay in this little bubble and just keep going. Anybody tired of just living in the bubble? Anybody tired of just living in the box? Some folks are like, actually, it's really nice. Am I supposed to not like it? Yes, me? I don't like it yet, a little bit. What's everyone doing? Looks like half the room's got their hand up, 50-50. <laughs> I was thinking about this in my own life. Um, I wanted to be an attorney and went, took my LSATs and got ready to go to school. And since I was a little boy, I wanted to be an attorney. I got all ready to, to you know, I applied to law school, took, did everything I was supposed to do. And the Lord basically came to me after I was, you know, long to do this, probably since I was five or six years old. And he said, hey, yeah, the attorney thing, 
I got something different for you. And I was like, what? And he's like, ah, you, buddy, that's enough. You want to know what? That's just great. <laughs> Whoa. I'll let you know. I was like, okay. So then I became a tax accountant. I know you probably can't picture that. I kept the IRS in business with audits. No, I'm just kidding. Became a tax accountant. I did that for six years. Corporate and personal tax accounting. I was so tired of doing Joe's six pack and the dog's taxes. I can't even tell you. That's, that's accounting humor. That's what we call a guy with one single W-2. Joe's six pack and a dog. That's what we call him. I was so tired of doing that. I dream at night of deductions. Listen, there's nothing cute about that. You know what I mean? You're dreaming of bullfrogs and butterflies, and I'm dreaming of deductions. So I did that for six years, and then that came to an end. And I was like, okay, Lord, you, you took what I felt like was what I was supposed to do with my life. You said I've got something different for you. It's outside of my box. I mean, accounting, really? Have you seen my office? I was the messiest accountant on earth. And so he said, I've got something different for you. I was like, what? And he said, I don't know. Or I know, but I'm not telling you. I said, okay. So then I went and worked for a company downtown in sales. And it was a company that was doing about $80 million a year in gross profit. And in a very short period of time, I climbed my way up the sales ladder. There were 50 sales employees. About 15 of them had been there for 10 years or more, building a book of business. In a year and a half, my book of business was as big as the top salesperson there. Came captain of the trade show team. And they're like, wow, you're going to start making really good money. You've got all these clients. You're going to make all these commissions. And just when I was getting over the threshold of making the type of money that I wanted to make for our family, the Lord was like, hey. Your mom and dad need your help. I was like, they'll be fine. He's a resourceful little Italian. He'll be fine. And then I went to my wife and I said, honey, I feel like God's moving us to do something different. And she said, I feel the same thing. I was like, oh, no. When the wife confirms it, that's the worst. We love you, you, you ladies, but it's the worst because then we know we have to do it. She's like, me too. She was working for the post office. I was starting to finally turn the corner and make really good money. So the Lord says, well, she quit her job. I quit mine. We had made, we're making more money then than we are now. And so the Lord said, quit that. And I came to my mom and dad. We sat down at the table. I still remember it. And I said, Mom, Dad, we feel like we're supposed to help you. And my mom and dad said, we know. <laughs> Do you remember that conversation? I said, well, why didn't you tell me? They said, well, we didn't want you to feel obligated. She, yeah, my mom said, God had to move on your heart. She said, we know. And so I was like, great, well, let's do it. And they said, one problem. I said, what? We don't have a lot of money to pay you. <laughs> I don't remember what my starting salary was, but I think it was like $26,000, $25,000 a year. Twenty? No, I think it was more than that. I was like, well, the perks were yeah, the perks were outrageous, like long hours, 
dad's screaming at me in the morning, where are you? Things like that. It was wonderful. Because the Lord said, I want to change where you've put me in a box. And I've had some promises over your life, but you have to trust me enough that even when I say, yeah, I'm changing your plans, and when he doesn't give you the details, you still trust that his promise is true in your life, and you take a step forward and believe that he's there. See, folks that come now, they think, well, one of his kids was the heir to the throne, and I guess it was me. If you saw where I started in this mix, you'd understand it, was, it was, couldn't be further from the truth. God completely changed and wrecked my box to get me where I am today. And he wants to do the same with your life. This is the last thing I want to kind of speak over you. Is anybody getting something challenging them here today? See, God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as his word in his mouth. God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as his word in your mouth. In other words, if God has given you a word and a promise, that the power that it has in your mouth is no different than the day that he gave it to you. And the power that he has to actually accomplish what he said he's going to accomplish is still there and available for you. And I feel this just prophetically in the atmosphere today. You know, there's a lot of activism that's going on in the world, and there's a lot of people that feel like they're called to activism. But I really don't believe that God actually cares about activism or activists. He's raising up a generation of deliverers. Are you with me? We're not here to be activists. We're not even here to be activists for the kingdom of God. He's raised us up to be deliverers. He's given us a power beyond the words that we can fancy up or the signs that we can hold. He's given us the power of deliverance. He's given us the ability to walk into any situation and deliver the delivering power of God in his word and his power and might and his authority in any situation that we walk into. He's given us, he's put something in our hand and he's saying, I want you to carry this torch forward because what I've said over your life is true. This is all I ask you to do today as we close today. Would you, I, I, I challenge you today, would you believe enough in the word of God over your life? Would you have enough faith that it would actually cause you tomorrow morning to take a step forward based on the word he's given you. Even if he's, you felt like he's denied you in the past, would you have enough faith tomorrow morning to take the next step forward? Even when the details aren't there. Would you dare to believe that God's promise for your life is just as powerful today as it was the day he gave it to you? Would you dare to believe that his purpose for your life is just as powerful and as ready to be activated today as it was the day that you were born. And I want to speak this over you. There's people here today that you are living in an atmosphere and in a life in your mind, in your heart, you believe that God created you and that he messed up or he failed or there's something about the way that you were made up that you were not made to succeed or fulfill his purpose for your life. I want to break that off of your life here today. 
Every person under the sound of my voice, God created you to be successful in his plan for your life. Every person under the sound of my voice has been created in such a way that God breathed his same breath into you that he did anyone else. The breath that was poured into Reinhard Bonnke or, or Heidi Baker or whoever else in the world, the Billy Grahams, that same breath has been poured into you. Some of us just haven't been stubborn enough to when we feel like God's given us a no, we still step forward saying, I'm not going to give up. I'm not burying my promise tomorrow morning. I'm not burying my daughter tomorrow morning. She is sick, and you said you're healed. And so I'm not leaving here till you heal. I'm not burying the promise of God for my life tomorrow morning. You said this was going to happen, God. You promised me. You said your word is the same today as it is tomorrow and forever. I believe that what you said is true, and I'm not leaving here, God. I'm going to stand in front of your face and remind you every day of the word for my life and take one step after another. I don't care if all the angels in heaven are screaming at me. Don't do it. I'm going to keep taking steps forward because I believe what you said is true. Do you know, maybe that day Jesus wasn't even planning on healing that, that little girl, and I probably believe that's the case because he said it's your faith it's your faith that has compelled me to do what I did. In other words, if I wasn't planning on doing this today, it's because you were so risky and so crazy, you actually changed my mind. That's the power of tenacious faith and a faith that shatters the boxes that we put God in. Can we stand together as we pray? Let's just believe God for a moment, if we can. Let's just, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna invite some of you guys forward that just, um, that just feel connected to what I had to say today as far as um, you just believe that God today wants to revive the promise over your life. And I want, I want to do this. If, you, if you're determined and you're committed that God, I'm, I'm not going to take what I felt like has been a no. I'm not going to take that and sit down and say, okay, I'm going to move on with my life. But if just as this public sign today that you're going to say, God, I believe that what you said is true, and I, I, am, I am publicly saying I'm going to take the next step forward. I'm going to take that step that Peter took when Jesus had come. I'm going to start packing my bags the way Abraham had to when the Lord said, I'm moving you. I'm not going to tell you where. I'm going to move you, though. I'm going to set my sail even though the wind isn't moving. So if you want to just make that declaration today, I want you to join me at this altar as we do that together. I just believe something special is going to happen in your heart today. We're going to finish today's service with activating and speaking forward to the calling of God and the promise of God in your life. We're going to end today's service by allowing you to fully embrace and believe and take a step of faith forward, knowing that God is faithful to his word.
Yeah, just slide on down here, guys, and we're going to make room. Slide down here to the end. There's room on the end. If you're coming down, you can come out the outside aisles because that's where the room is up here. Center aisle is getting full. Just move up. Make some room. Let's make some room together. There you go. No, you're fine. You guys are close enough. You can do that if you want. Just don't want you to fall. We got another snorter down here when they laugh? Well, your kindred sister's back there. Amen. Come on, anyone else, I want to give you an opportunity to be up here. There's something special that's going to happen this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Let's lift our hands to heaven. Every person that's up here, and if you're in your seat, you can do the same thing. Father, right now, by your Spirit, we call forth to the promise of God in these lives. Lord, we call forth to the word that you've given us. We call forth to the dreams you've given us. And God, we make a declaration and we decide publicly today, we will take that next step forward. God, that we will trust that your word for our life is true and faithful. Lord, we, we believe right now you are stirring up the dreams. You're stirring up the innovation. You're stirring up, God, the, the things that you've given us to do. God, that hearts here today that have discounted their own ability, Lord, to follow your plan for their life, God, we ask that you revive their identity again. Let them know that they are a child of the King and that their inheritance is found in you. So, God, I thank you right now that as you're speaking to our hearts, Lord, as we have made this public declaration that you're beginning to put in place that the wind of God is on its way to our sail. As we have set our sail that the wind of God is on its way. So right now where you're at here that have come here to the altar with your hands lifted high, I want you to talk to Jesus. I want you to communicate with the Father in your own words. I want you to, to, to tell Him that you trust Him and tell Him you believe in Him and tell Him that you believe that His Word is true for you. I want you to do that right now, just in your own words. Just speak it out, guys. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Yes, Jesus. Come on, just keep pursuing that in, right where you're at. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I just feel like this for your life right now. I just feel like that, that God is, I just feel like the Lord is promising you today that not only has he always been there for you, but that the stuff that you've been through with a lack of a strong father figure in your life, I feel like the Lord is saying right now that he is here to be your father. I feel like the Lord is saying he's here to guide you and to teach you 
And I just see this. I see this man. I see you literally almost like as a child, almost wandering, just wondering if anybody cares. If, if I just see like almost like you're running along a river and saying like, if I jumped in this water right now, would anybody care that I'm gone? And you've carried that and labored with that. You've walked it out in your adulthood. And I feel like those burdens of, of does anybody care is leaving today. And I feel like the Lord stopped me today when we were walking up and down here, the stage today. He stopped me today to tell you that he's always cared and he's always been there. And that the brokenness that you felt in your heart is going to lead you to a place where he can truly, truly use you. That he can use you in a way that's, that, that, that will, will impact the, the community and the world around you. I actually see you like carrying forward in, in prisons and jails and going into places where, where men are and leading them back to the Father in a real authentic way and using your story to, to lead them there. And so I just believe right now that the Word of God is going to come to pass in your life. And there's nothing you can do. I also hear this. I hear the Father saying, I forgive you for everything that you felt like you've done to tra transgress against me. I hear him saying that this is only the very beginning of what you're going to see uh, in your life. I see that the Father is actually, you You have seen a picture of Father God in your life where he has been, you felt like he was angry and that he was distant. And I actually see the Father close to you, smiling with a smile on his face and saying, my son, I'm proud of you. I actually see great things in you. And I believe that there's a beautiful path ahead of you. And so I just believe right now, God, that as you're ministering to his heart, that you will awaken the dreams again in his life. I believe, God, you're awakening the dreams in our hearts here uh, this morning, God, that every person here is again believing that you are with them, that your word is with them, and your word is true. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's just give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.